to what the what 2020 recording 2020 2020 does that mean we're back for a second season we are that's crazy i mean we knew it was going to be success so we pretty much have it worked out i just we're gonna 12 years from now yeah still doing this what are we doing anyways this is a podcast it is it is and i'm renee i'm jeff and i'm scott and we are here to talk about the world Pop culture, life, philosophy, all of those things. Yeah. And just to say hey to each other, because we don't get to hang out all the time except when we're doing podcasts. Yes, that is true. So hi, Renee. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Scott. Hey, hi, listeners. Renee. Hi, Jeff. Hi, listeners. Hi, Anna. Hey. Don't forget about oh, Anna. and Anna. Uh, um, okay, you guys. So this is my question, because we're recording this in 2019, right? So my tradition every year on New Year is to spend the day doing exactly what I want to do for the rest of the year. Kind of like setting the tone, right? So that is my question. Like, what would constitute a perfect day for you? I'll pass. Go ahead, Scott. Um, (laughs) I would probably be on the street in a foreign country photographing just stuff. People, things going by, lurking. I'd be lurking about in doorways and things like that and just, and taking photographs of people and things. I really, I do a lot of different kinds of photography professionally, but I really love travel photography. So, um, and if I didn't have the opportunity to be traveling and just was doing what I love to do, I'd go and do it in downtown Tucson, so. Just you, Silla? Anyone there with you? Um, like, that's kind of a solitary, yeah. Go ahead and say say that a perfect day would be without your wife. Let's, let's, Let's see how that rolls. It's kind of a, you know, street photography like that is kind of a solitary Yeah, it's true. You thing. don't want someone so, hanging over you. And... But you can do it with other people. I mean, Anna and I go out. We were just in um, uh, Union Station in uh, L.A. And I did some street photography, and she kind of hung out. We were in between trains. One, you know, stopped, got off of one. We were hanging out for a while. So I just pick up my camera and go wander around and grab some stuff. So we, it's not like we're not doing it together, but we're not just like right next to each other while I'm doing it. That's fair. Yeah. I, I understand And that's that. fun for me. I love that. And then going home and po- processing all the photos right away? Yeah. Um, like looking at them and because um, one of the things I think with street photography is that you don't you don't know what you've got. You don't know what's good until you've got it. You know that like every one of the photos should probably if it's really going to be a good street photo it should probably leave you with some kind of question like what's going on with that guy i wonder what she's thinking or why is that guy standing there you know what's on his mind what's happening or what what is going to happen or what just happened and because it's like random incidents people who are just sort of in random places like you just don't know what you're going to get until you got it and even then you don't really know if you got anything so you can come back from a session not have anything by you know anything viable at all or you can come back have a whole bunch of good things and and almost always whatever you thought were the best shots when you took them turn out not to be and some of the ones that were a little less sort of high on what you thought was going to be a great shot actually end up really being kind of pretty cool i that's not how I would spend my perfect day, but one way that my brother coaxed me out to visit him in San Francisco pretty early on is he said, 
there are a lot of tiny things that need you to photograph them. Because <laughs> I'm always like, I don't want to photograph people. I just want to photograph like buildings or like parts of buildings, like right, really right. small. And I don't want the people are in the way of that. So, but you're talking about photographing people. Yeah, I mean it's. Um, I live in dread of you, someone like you, being out on the street yeah, while I'm, I'm out there. Yes. <laughs> oh God. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know it's funny because it is. Um, there's a. I'm not saying that like I'm brave, but there's a certain bravery that you yes. just have to, in order to do it that you just have to kind of have that. And you know, I'm six foot two, two hundred and fifty pounds, so it's like I, I'm not like Henri Cartier Bresson who could kind of hide, you know, as kind of a small guy. It's like, and I don't carry a small camera, you know. I've got <laughs> big cameras and so so people sort of know what I'm I'm doing when I'm out there. It's hard for me to hide. And there's actually a moment when people see me. I love that moment. And so sometimes that's the one I'm looking for. I would grab. flip you off. I would just give you And that would word. be a great shot. It I would, would be. love that. It would be. <laughs> I yeah. would love that. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, not to dodge the question again, but I you don't, ha- you have, I don't have a perfect day. You, that's like, you can. So that's like asking me, like, if somebody asks me what I'm looking for in a woman, my answer is variety. There well, you is can no do such... that. You can do, you can make, stack your day with a bunch of variety. It doesn't yeah, have to be whatever, like one thing. I mean, I could say today that my perfect day would be in in Cartagena scuba diving, or it could be you know just sitting around having a you know hashing. You there's okay? You can many, have multiple perfect. There's days. too many things that I'm interested in, and it changes. I I change like the seasons, so. So what in this season right now? What is your perfect day? Probably and, what we're doing right now. Oh, recording yeah. a podcast. I get that. Yeah, doing, doing, get talking about things that interest me, and then having a bunch of people come over and get drunk in a couple hours. That's yeah, he's actually going to kick us out and invite people. Like, yeah, he's going to invite fun people over <laughs> after we leave. You're so you're true. welcome to stay. Just there you got to be, be ready to party hard. There yeah. might be spank, there there might be running and spanking involved, so oh, be, be oh. warned. Ooh, okay. The running part is the scary part. Okay, so. <laughs> Not the spanking. <laughs> no. And by the way, your hair is exceptionally purple today. It is. It's pretty cool. Right? And I knew it was because I went shopping and people are hollering from their car at me, like driving by and just saying, purple hair. I love your purple hair. <laughs> um, so I know it's a good purple day. Um, so my it's perfect day. Resplendent. In the lights help, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, new so, lights, by the way. Yeah, well, I well, not new lights, but in a different place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listeners. Yeah. It's pretty epic. There's like 12 lights hanging from the ceiling. Just what you need for a podcast. Lights. <laughs> to be able to see my hair. <clears throat> my perfect day. I know exactly what my perfect day is. You get up not too early, which means somehow you shut up the cats. Get up not too early. Go get some exercise. Bike ride. Hike. Something like that. Do some writing. Lunch with a friend. Go see a movie. Dinner with friends. And then you're in home in time to read a book. Like that's, that is my perfect day. And you do that? I do that every year. You, you do it on the 1st or the 3rd? You do it on the 31st first. or the 1st? You do it the on first. the 1st. First, first day of the don't, year. Don't stay up too late. Yeah. Get up. Get that day. Get that year started. Nice. Yeah. Knowing my luck, that will probably get rear-ended and another cat will get sick. So that's my <laughs> Has that happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two cats sick. Rear- yeah, okay. Yeah. So um, perfect days. Let's talk about perfect movies. Okay. Not perfect movies. Looking back at 2019... What did you guys like from 2019? And we do movies a lot on this part. I, was I know. I have, I, was just I have other stuff. That it's like I have other this stuff. kind of what when you think of like a best of movies are just one of the things you automatically sort of think of when you're when you're thinking back 
over the course of a year or so for two. Th I I know I definitely have my favorites and my um, and my not favorites. Yeah, that's what we were talking in before if we were going to include not favorites, and I didn't even think about not favorites. Oh, I got I got you. Covered. I know. That's yeah, I got you I covered. That's why I figured you'd have that part covered. So I can you imagine Jeff ever not having a not favorite? <laughs> every every the good list has to have the bad list too. Um. And I did more of the hey, movies just, too. I'm just trying to bring. I'm just trying to bring balance to the force. There you go. <laughs> yeah, because I'm all good. Like, <laughs> so I I have I have three favorites and four not favorites. Okay, let's start Which with your do favorites. You want me to start with, with your favorites. You want me to let's, lead let's start, out a positive. Well, yeah, let's end on a good note. So oh, okay, start, so tell me your least favorite. Let's get favorite. Like okay. 2019. Let's get the crap out of the way in January. Okay, let's um, <laughs> I, I'm getting ready to duck and run out of the room, but I'm going to put Endgame on my list of not favorites. Really? Yeah, big sort of scary guy tries to kill half the people in the universe for no and other things for no particular reason. Epic battle ensues. And um, one nice so scene, good one nice scene for it. feminists, and he has five rocks that help him do it. And when it's all done, everything kind of works out fine in the end, for the most part, except one main character I can't remember dies, and that was sad momentarily. Uh, okay. Um, us, no comment. I'm not gonna. <laughs> us. You what? Just terribly not a good movie. Oh, I oh. forgot about that nonsense. Yeah, just oh terribly not a good movie. Preposterous on so many... Some great social commentary sort of laid in there, but just like crazy underground place that seems to have existed and connects all of humanity with... Um, I actually wrote down um, the description of the movie, family attacked by menacing doppelgangers. So yeah. just that description is enough for it not to be... That a, sounds amazing. Not to be a favorite. You know, all the stuff you're... All the ways right. you're describing your bad stuff, I'm like, I love it! <laughs> um, and I, and now um, I'm going to duck from the other direction because the Downton Abbey movie, which I know Anna probably loved, the Downton Abbey movie, um, not really interesting. Nothing happens. What a surprise. It's Downton Abbey. Nothing happens. The Queen comes to the Downton Abbey people and nothing happens. Even so, the queen is there. Shenanigans happened. Shen they're, they're minor shenanigans. <laughs> there are, yes. And, and then lastly, one that I had hopes for, which is The Good Liar, because I love Heron, Helen Mirren. I have kind of a Helen Mirren crush. And Ian McKellen. And it just did not... It could have been so much of an amazing sort of movie. And it just kind of devolved into sort of a semi-caperish kind of... Thing and the and the acting, all these four movies that I mentioned, I want to say acting in all four of these amazing, <clears throat> like really uh, acting is stellar. The actors, I think they brought their they brought their A game to all these movies. I just thought that the movies themselves didn't hold up. So those are my four. All right, Renee. So you didn't you didn't prepare a worst list, but we've seen some bad movies this year. Yeah. So I'm gonna throw out a couple that weren't really on my list, but I think you might agree with me that they were pretty bad. Okay. Anna. Oh, that was bad. I blocked it from memory. Like, that's how bad it was. So, like, I so, erased it. Yeah, so we're not talking about our producer. We're talking about this <laughs> kind, of, kind of almost almost a Red Sparrow-ish right? movie. Yeah, yeah. Luke Brisson. Just, just absolute trash. Midsummer. You're right. I didn't like that movie. Yeah. I really disliked that with a yeah. passion. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Um, yeah, we all agreed on disliking Midsummer, and I didn't even see it. I didn't like it. <laughs> Um, but 
Scott, in all honesty, if, if Endgame and Us were your worst movies, you had a pretty good year. That's I'm, not too bad, yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out some absolute abysmal crap. Um, so the beginning of the year in particular, there was just a run of movies. Um, so you've got Ke- the Keanu Reeves movie, Replicas. Okay. Serenity. For a split second. Okay, yeah. Serenity. Um, uh, the Escape Room. Hellboy, which I didn't even see because by then I was just done yeah. with 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 stuff, um, and the the two movies that just really made me just give up on my on my YouTube channel and just not want to talk about movies again for a really long time, uh, Dumbo and Pet Cemetery. Those two movies had. What about the one Mama too? Was that? Oh, Ma came later. Ma, Ma came later. Right, that right. was terrible too. Yeah, what if they had done Dumbo and Pet Cemetery like as one movie? It would have been. It would have been better. But these these two movies were layups. There was no excuse for them to be bad, and they were absolutely terrible because yeah. they tried to do something different. Um, but the the movie that prop the movie that will stick out for 2019 for just for being the absolute worst movie of the year. Is by is definitely Joker. Yes. Yeah, I think we all I agree. We are the three people in the known universe that actually agree on Joker yeah. not being a good movie. My and poor it, brother was like, "That wasn't a bad film," and I like railed on him. It was. It was a. It was an excellently made movie. I know we kind of disagree really on that. Movie. No, I, think I, I loved. I loved. Okay. Everything about it, except it if it was on mute, it would. I would have loved it. But everything it had to say about the world. Um, could not disagree more, and it would to. So anyway, so for me, 2019 Joker was the absolute worst movie. Crowning, crowning achievement. And and there's there's so there was so many bad movies this year that this isn't even it's really not even scratching the surface of the of the. You know something I I realize as we enter 2020 is that um, you guys subject yourselves to bad movies, and I don't even go. And like that's why my bad my worst movies were actually like movies that I could stand being in the same room with because there's well, so much you, that I I just don't even I see the trailer and I'm like oh, I'm never seeing that. You did see Lighthouse, which I is another on my, bad movie. That's my best movie. Or my second best movie or third best movie. Get, it's on my what? list of three. Uh, yeah, best movies. Let's not debate the movie itself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So is there, is there any that I missed that you wanted to throw in there? Oh, I and it doesn't, have, it doesn't have to be. And I really blocked them from my mind. Oh, oh, there's like the the Captive State was a John Goodman movie that to this day I know I watched it. I I went to the theater, I paid money, I saw it. I could not tell you anything about that movie other than it was bad. Um, did you guys see The Irishman? I've heard mixed reviews 40, about 45 minutes in, I checked out. I decided, like, oh, the Lego movie, too. 45 minutes in, I checked out. I said, life is too short. I had the same reaction to The Irishman. Hmm. Yeah, I just... The Irishman doesn't interest me because it's based on... Like, we have enough trouble in our society right now, like, sort of basing uh, decisions on hoaxes. And the whole idea of it is based on an unsubstantiated conspiracy theory. That's not even unsubstantiated, but it's been disproven. It's, it's bunk, yeah. Yeah. It's just a bunch of white guys in suits, and I was like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I'm not putting my and, money or time towards that anymore. Yeah, so I for I, I tried to get I tried to give it a chance, kind of expecting that I wasn't gonna like it, but I was I'm gonna I tried to have an open mind. But as soon as I heard Robert De Niro doing the voiceover narration, I was like, <laughs> I've been here, I've done this, I've seen this movie twice before, I don't need to see a three and a half hour version of it. Right. 
Right. Um, and this was also hot on the heels of Martin Scorsese shitting all over the MCU and right. pop culture. Yeah. And it's like, dude, you've done enough to damage my country as it is with the movies you make and the, the values you promote in your movies. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear you talking shit about. Yeah, anybody. I'm not going to support it. Right. Like, I'm not going to support. Yeah. Your, this, I'm not putting money or time towards yeah. things anymore. Yeah. I actually um, had sort of a best and worst moment. Yeah. For pop culture and the worst, mo- not me personally. Oh, I had lots of great right. moments. I probably had a worse moment. I don't remember what it was. I was like, are we about but, to do some PR yeah. work here? <laughs> but actually, I thought Scorsese, like, just, like, kind of vomiting on Marvel, and Marvel's not my thing, um, was just, like, just a bad moment from a guy who just doesn't need to do that. Right. It's like, it, that's an opinion that's unimportant. He could keep it to himself. It's, it was, it was very, a very arrogant thing to say and he walked it back in this New York Times op-ed which I don't know if you guys read it which no. he sort of tries to defend why he said it no but the reality is I think he was just being kind of arrogant it's also it's also grotesquely and I and I mean grotesquely hypocritical if he's trying to preserve cinema then he shouldn't be signing he shouldn't be releasing his movie on Netflix it shouldn't be a Netflix produced movie and he shouldn't be using de-aging software to which is basically stealing work from a, an actor that could have played the younger versions of Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. But instead he's using software, which is, which is in the long run, is going to have a huge effect on, on the labor pool. I wonder if we could use de-aging software on the video version of our podcast. I don't need it. I don't either. Yeah. Okay. He thought I was 30. I didn't say 30. I thought you were 38. <laughs> Just thinking for the future, you know? Were, what, making our voices but, younger? But I, I, remember, I remember the moment. I'm, I'm planning to get old and crotchety voice. One of those voices that's like this. Yeah. You may already be on the way. I am. Just saying, so. I, I remember the moment that Jeff was like, I am done with movies this year. But there was this little kind of renaissance thing that happened. So we have some good movies. Yeah. Did, you, did you do your best moment or are you saving that? No. Oh, well, I can tell you. Yeah. So the worst moment, well, and the best moment was a movie. So okay. I thought the best moment, and it wasn't one of my favorite movies, but I thought the best moment was Hustlers. And I thought the best moment was Hustlers because what Hustlers did um, was it took, it was a movie made primarily by women. It was very sort of from a female or a feminist perspective in some ways, I think. And then it also like painted all of the men as these total sort of cardboard cutout idiots and I thought I was offended by that and then I realized it's like well what this did was just kind of put me in a position where women are probably in often and and men are not in often and I just was you know I I don't like to be offended by something and I don't like to feel like I'm being made like my gender is being made fun of but I realized that like that happens so much in the other direction that I just thought that that was a great moment and I'm glad that they just stepped out and did that and you got to sit in that uncomfortability, sit I did. in that feeling. Yeah. Welcome to the world. You walk I, out. I walk out feeling like, ooh, I'm yes. not happy to be a dude. Yes. <laughs> not that I want to switch or anything. No, no, no. Yeah. No, no. I get it. <laughs> when when we get to my best movies, I'm gonna shock you guys with what what might be my favorite movie of the year, and it doubled and tripled and quadrupled down on what Hustlers did. Really? Oh, it did. Yeah. Interesting. Blew my mind. Okay, well, what is it? Well, we'll get to it. What are we What are we waiting for? What I, I think we're there, but maybe you have to work in reverse. <laughs> I do. All right, so so am I going to do my... 
No. Yeah. I'll let you guys go first. For what? Well, what we're right, so excited. All right. All right. So, so my favorite movie of the year is, is probably not going to be any secret. Um, Captain Marvel, Marvel. Yeah. Endgame, and Spider-Man: Far From Home <laughs> are three of my three of my five favorite movies. Um, Captain Marvel le- leaned into feminism harder than Wonder Woman ever did, and I and I really appreciate what it did. It did. It really did. Endgame. You. If you if you like that kind of movie, what what Endgame and what the MCU in general has done with with long form storytelling in film is unprecedented. Mm-hmm. They're probably never going to be able to recreate what that was. So honestly, I think Endgame should get Best Picture of the Year. It was it was a monumental. Is it up for it? Well, they haven't announced Oscars yet. Right, but do you know if it's in contention? I doubt it. Oh, okay. I doubt it will be, but it should be. No other movie. No other movie changed the industry as much, or was a reflection of a change in the industry as much as that was. Uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, it was just a really good movie. I really enjoyed it. But but then I think we're all going to agree um, that Jojo Rabbit yeah! is, Yay! if Go not Jojo. if not the best movie of the year, in, in the top in the top two or three. Yep. Um, but I've been debating, just been debating whether or not I would keep Jojo Rabbit. For for my number one movie of the year, it's kind of been a toss between Jojo Rabbit because of how well because of just it's it is the best movie in terms of the craft of making a film. Jojo Rabbit is by far the best. Endgame is probably the most long term impact, so that was in contention. But my dark horse, which is just kind of my personal sentimental favorite, is Black Christmas. Oh, I haven't seen it. Oh, that but I've heard horrible. really good stuff. Black, so I've heard good stuff. Uh, it depends on who you. T- movie. You oh. might, because I'm going to try to drag you guys to it. <laughs> I'll go. So Let's Black go. Christmas is is being marketed as your run of the mill sorority girl slasher movie, um, and that's going in with that's completely what I thought. And 20 minutes in, I was like, I'm just going to enjoy it for what it is, and then it turns left, hard left, and runs in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it actually turns into is a in-your-face, no-holds-barred critique of rape culture and the society that tolerates rape culture. And it is so over-the-top. I, I heard one person refer to it as a pure flicks movie from the left. Absolutely 100% that's accurate. Mm-hmm. It's like it is, it is preaching unabashedly and i think in 2019 that's that's the kind of we need more movies like that it's a remake of the film it's it's a remake of a remake of the film it's actually the third version of black christmas is it so did they change it i would i would assume yes okay. and there there's there's a very distinct point in the movie where there's there's four sorority co-eds on stage dressed up as little sexy santas getting ready to sing their song and you think it's going to go one direction, and then it doesn't. It just it turns left, and it's like, if you you know who you are, if you if you embrace where it went, or if you're going to walk out of it thinking that that movie was a pile of trash. It did look like which it that it would have one of my favorite things: women kicking ass. And on a quick, yeah, absolutely one hundred percent. But it but it was it was so. I would say it this way. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get a little vulgar here. If you put two big giant balls on feminism and dropped them on the counter and said, suck these, that's this movie. If Donald Trump <laughs> if Donald Trump became a feminist and made a movie designed to piss off all of his former fans, that's this movie. Hmm. 
it is it is no holds barred in your face hmm. and and i loved every moment of it and one other movie that i forgot to mention um the more i think about it the more i like it is queen and slim which which hopefully we have time to talk about a little bit later okay because it it made one it made one technical mistake that i think kind of um the ending no it's not even the ending it's not even the ending the the mistake that the mistake that Queen of Slim made was it put its thesis at the end of the second act, so you kind of watch you spend most of the movie not entirely sure what they're trying to say. Once you get once I understood what the movie was actually trying to say, I could go back and reprocess the entire movie through that lens, and everything started making sense. And the more I started thinking about it, I actually really do like Queen and Slim. And so that's my list. Those are those are my my best movies of the year. Did not see dark. I did not see Black Christmas coming. I didn't either. I, I walked I walked out of the theater yesterday just like with a with a giant grin on my face, going, "I I see what you did, movie. I got your back. <laughs> I, I know you are going to get shit on. By I'm gonna whom? I'm gonna do everything I can do to promote you. By whom? Who's 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 shitting on this one? Everybody. Oh, I've heard good things. Okay, about it. every white male movie reviewer. Um, is is one hundred percent shitting on this movie, and it goes to what you were to what Scott was saying about about feeling to your initial reaction to Hustlers as being offended because it's clearly like it's clearly mocking white males and men in general. Black Christmas doubled down on that, like just. All right, I'm. Hard. I'm. That was a good sell. I I'm actually, gonna see I, it. I actually want to set up a watch party and take a whole bunch of people to go see it because I, I, I want to support movies. It was not a well-made movie, uh, by no by no stretch of the imagination. It's not a well-made movie, but it needs it's, to be supported because better versions of this movie need to be made. So, okay, and sometimes something's just fun. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it doesn't have to be all atmospheric Joker dancing in a weird yeah. way. You know, yeah. right? <laughs> so who, who's next? Okay, so my my top movies, The Farewell. Um, did you guys end up seeing that one? Do you know that one? Oh, that was beautiful. Not me. Scott, I think you would like that one. Slow paced, um, a lot of cum- uh, uh, shot really well, um, a lot of mood coming through scene. It, it was really beautiful. And then it just had a tender, tender story to it. Um, John Wick 3. Did I see The Farewell? What was it? What was it yeah, about? we went. Yeah, you were with us. Um, Aquafina. remember her mother, her grandmother is dying. And I did not see it. I did not go see that. That's that's one of the movies that I, that I really really bummed I missed out on. Uh, I think some okay. of mine, and then the other one, um, Tigers Aren't Afraid, which is was beautiful, haunting ghost story, fairy tale. And I think I've t- I, I think I recommended it at one point in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mustang, which was another beautiful. I mean, I also sort of coming up against this idea of like a slow movie versus a fast movie. The Mustang is a kind of a slow movie. Again, there's a lot of emotion communicated through. Um, the, the character, the main character isn't a communicative person. He's in prison and he starts working on a horse program. He doesn't, he's not able to say what he needs to say, but a lot of it is communicated through his work with the horse. And it's like, that one was beautiful. And acting, I feel like he should be nominated for a, I'm saying he, I don't remember his name, but you know, he, the guy should be nominated for it. Um, also Jojo Rabbit was also one of mine. um, book smart, which you and I don't agree on, but book smart. One of my top ones of all time, one of my favorites. But I'm also going to make a case, kind of like you, for um, not as my top, but I saw this movie called Crawl, and it was about uh, a woman whose 
father doesn't get out of the hurricane in time and so she has to go get him out from the basement and there's alligators. That was just fun. It was a fun movie. Um, it doesn't deserve any Academy Awards, but like if you can see it, go see it because it was so fun. I, I Scott, you don't need to go see it. I want to go see it. I, I'm, I'm sad I missed it. But yeah, I, I it was don't great. think Scott wouldn't like it. No, that no, very it's much. not one for you. I would not. <laughs> I would say you would love The Mustang. I would say you would love Farewell. Um, Tigers Aren't Afraid, also right up your alley. That's a foreign film. Those are on my list now. Yes. Did you see Peanut Butter Falcon? I did not. Yeah, that's that's one I missed out on. I yeah, I think we all, it. yeah. It's so. hard. It's, it's so hard to catch all the good movies. Yeah. And it's so hard to know what's going to be good going yeah. into it. So. And sometimes I just want, like, the like I just went and saw Jumanji too. Like, it's just a, was it great? No. Was it fun? Yes. It takes you out for a couple it hours. It does. It yeah. was great. I was really sick and I wasn't feeling great, so I just went and yeah. saw it. It was, yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, so those are, that's my top for the... My um my three movies Jojo Rabbit so it sounds like there's one that we can all land oh, on yeah. which is really interesting because we have really different sensibilities in a lot of ways I mean our Venn diagrams kind of they overlap but they're really kind of narrowly overlap yeah they yeah. narrowly overlap but yeah Jojo Rabbit just um an amazing movie on so many levels uh The Lighthouse which I know um we have one nay and one dissenting vote in the in the crowd and then I just I love The Lighthouse because it was um, it was just so beautiful that you could just visually take it in. The um, uh, the director of photography on that was a guy named uh, Jassin or Hassin Blaschke, who I've never heard of before. Um, it was shot in this kind of square format, black and white, very harkened back to like really old, almost kind of... Um, <clears throat> cabinet of Doc, Dr. Caligari looking, you know, the shad the deep shadows, the shadows are black and it's just sort of all in natural light and some of it by candlelight and everything. And um interesting weird conversations and you just don't know where that movie's going and I just really enjoyed that. And then the the third movie, the my third and last movie was Knives Out, which I just thought was yes! this was yeah. so much that was fun. fun. I I forgot Knives I... Out what Knives Out is pretty high on my list. That too. was really so great. Much fun. And not a, there's like a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of a message in there, but it's not a message movie. It's a, it's a man, a, a manor house murder movie in a very traditional sort of um, format and way that those are done, where you at some point you suspect everybody or yeah. you suspect each person equally, and you have to kind of figure out what happened. And then um, they actually solve the murder relatively early on, and the and the mystery and the intrigue continues because it's not just about solving the murder. Yeah, and Daniel Craig with a southern accent. Yes. Choice. Yes. Yeah, that was that was a good one. And he's a good looking dude. Oh my god. You guys notice that he's kind of <laughs> handsome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have noticed. He's no Chris Evans. <laughs> and I kind of like <laughs> and I kind of like Tony Collette. I have to say. So. Oh, she's great. Yeah. You're terrible, Mural. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would I would probably put Knives Out ahead of like Spider Man Far From Home. Um, it, but again, so so many movies. It's hard to it's hard yeah. to keep track of all of them. It is, and I'm realizing too. I'm really vague about when a movie came out. Right, like seeing Anna. I'm like that was two years ago. I'm like no, that was sometime early this year. Right. I just yeah. don't keep track of time. Like sorry to bother you. I was like sorry to bother you. No, that was from two years ago. Right. 2018. Yeah. It so, wasn't that long. Okay, right. last year. Right. So yeah. I was like that should make the list. I'm like yeah. oh that's not that's not right. Yeah, sorry to bother you. It's like almost a spiritual um sort of father or 
what am I looking for, parent to some of these other movies that are out with that sort of like, you know, sort of exploring some of those racial themes and, and stuff like that. So it's definitely like we feel the impact of it. And that's one that has stuck with me. So that would have been a favorite from a year ago. And it certainly affected some of the things things that we saw. And I think imitated in ways that weren't as good sometimes this year. So Yeah, Parasite. Did you guys end up seeing Parasite? I, seen I did not, no. Okay. I won't comment. I'll wait till you guys see it before okay. we comment on that. What did you like I it can, or not? Um, that, that'll be a no. Right. Let me do a whole okay. episode on that. Because it's really kind of taken, like... It's sort of taken cinema by storm in a really interesting sort of way, so I want to see it and try to think about it and see I, why people are reacting to it. I would love for that particular movie to be part of the conversation we have about um, about expectations in movies, about how movies are packaged and sold and going into them, because that's actually I had a very interesting, distinct experience with that movie that came from what I was expecting to see. So, so we're now kind of shifting into a production meeting. That's kind of, that's all right. <laughs> right. Because I, I actually, <laughs> right, let's I was, who's taking notes? Because <laughs> I actually want to, one of the one of the things we're, I want to shift one of our topics coming up and actually talk about the culture war and how, how media is shaping the current culture war. Oh, sure. Okay. And Parasite, even though I haven't seen it, I know would be a perfect movie to dive into that topic. So, so, so this it might be a plug. Yeah. It might be a plug for episode three yeah. of season two. Right. Um, but did you have... Go ahead. So, you know, Scott, you mentioned right at the beginning of this episode how, like, um, where we just end up talking about movies a lot. And I think that's actually one of the interesting things about 2019 in general is this continuing fragmentation of our media. And I think one of the reasons we keep talking about movies, it's like still like there's still relatively few movies. So we have we can actually kind of have a common access point to them, whereas TV, I don't even watch TV anymore. And so much of it is split up over five different streaming services Mm -hmm. Um, and now, and now Disney is just, Disney is in the streaming game and about to... It's less of a common experience. We don't, it's not like some actual statistically important number of people in America sit down and watch the last episode of MASH. It's just not like that. Right. And it's not going to be like that in that way. Well, it is though. And so I'll back up and talk a little bit about that. But I think another part of it is that movies are short-term commitment. So, like, the three of us can go see a movie two hours, but, like, all of us agreeing we're going to see The Mandalorian, that's a different time, you know what I mean, commitment. But I do think there are still sort of flashpoints with with, with TV, like, like The Mandalorian, like Watchmen, like that people, everyone's getting on board. Like, I straight up paid for HBO Plus because I wanted to be able to see Watchmen, and then I watched one episode and realized it was too intense for me, and I probably might... Wouldn't be able to watch the rest of the series, but it's getting huge buzz. And Chernobyl was like that. And so there, there is still movement and phenomena happening, but it's asking people to commit more time that, like, you're not going to do, right? Like, you're not going to try out. Because if I can harp on, like, because I have, I have my top music, TV, and books also for this year. Mm-hmm. And one of my top TV series, which will come as no surprise to any of you, Fleabag. Right? Fleabag, you guys have to watch it. <laughs> you probably won't, but you should. It's amazing. Like, so, like, for me, like, Mandalorian is as much as I'm willing to commit to a TV show right now. And it's, and it's like, 30 minutes, and I'm cool with that. We'll have to have a whole separate 
conversation about I, Mandalorian. I got into I'm, Fleabag, like, I watched, I think, the first episode of it, and it just didn't catch me. So maybe do I just need to stick with it a little bit you. longer. I know, well, I know. Season I didn't two, like the character. No, right, that's yeah. the anti-hero. Do you remember? That was the anti-hero yeah. conversation. You're not going to like her until season two. Okay. But she's an unlikable woman, so commit to liking an, unli- like, an unlikable woman. Yeah. We'll talk about Mandalorian on the Culture War. Okay. Episode. Okay. Because I, I, it, it, it fits in, it fits into that. What other TV did you have? Yeah. Because I've got I've got some of my like top and by TV I'm just throwing streaming in because I don't even watch. Oh yeah, TV, TV yeah. generally is like a series like, um, Dairy Girls second season of third season of Dairy Girls, and a new one a net um sorry a Hulu original Dollface, which was um a surprisingly um. It was like an Ally McBeal in the sense that they had these really weird, zany, um, sort of like Scrubs did as well, these sort of outtakes. Like there's this ongoing character that pops up, and it's a it's a cat lady, and it's a woman with a cat head. So there's this really surrealist, absurd sort of moments which reveal how the character is feeling. And I was really charmed by it. And it's all about a woman who breaks up um, with her boyfriend or she gets broken up with. And she has to sort of recognize that she's really abandoned a lot of her female friends. And it's her sort of coming back around to becoming friends with the women in her life as a support network. So the message itself was great, but it was this, it was surprisingly surreal and fun. So that's, that's, I haven't talked about that one before. I've really harped on Dairy Girls and Fleabag, but Dollface, putting that in the mix. So I liked, um, really enjoyed uh, Schitt's Creek, yes! which we started watching, you know, it first came on and we kind of like left it because it's like, oh, these characters, they just don't feel like they're developing. And um, I want to ultimately have something redeeming about the characters. I'm just not going to be that interested. But over the arc of the the series, like the, the characters have really laid out and, and turned into <laughs> deeply flawed, incredibly funny and really ultimately likable characters where you could kind of see ultimately being friends with all of them, which is really, you know, it's such a strange cast of characters in that show. And some of the acting is just amazing. Um, Particularly, I think, um, Annie Murphy, who plays Alexis, is so funny. Ew, David. Yes, (laughs) so funny. And the way that she moves and is just so funny that she just... Almost doesn't have to say anything. She can just do a roll of her eyes, and it's funny. And so, as a little side note, that actress, she's one of the few people in um, in comedy who can move her bottom eyelids up. So she does this thing where she moves her bottom eyelids up in a way that, and it's like a cartoon character almost, but it's just this really dramatic, it's so fascinating to just watch her face yes. in, in the show. It's yeah. It's so good. I'm with you on that one. Yeah, yeah. And the rest of the ensemble is just, um, you know, just is truly amazing. And then I um, I didn't think I was going to be interested in the Kaminsky Method, which is uh, Michael Douglas and Alan Arkin. Um, oh, yeah, you mentioned that one. A story about, um, or a series that's in two seasons now, about a um, Michael Douglas plays an acting coach in L.A., and Alan Arkin is a, was a really high-power um, agent. And they're friends, and Alan Arkin's probably in his mid-80s, and the Michael Douglas character is well into his 70s or so. And they, um, they experience romance and some kind of hijinks and stuff like that, all in a way that's like pretty real, 
for guys their age and a lot of the disappointments and stuff that come along with, with being that age. And also um, both of them looking back at a life that they might have lived differently in just small ways, you know, and, and so in their 70s and their 80s, they're still developing characters and they're pretty funny and they, they have a good rapport with each other. And then the cast, they just bring in all the, I just wrote down like um, Haley Joel Osment, Elliot Gould plays himself, Eddie Money plays himself, Bob Odenkirk's in it, Lainey Kazan, Allison Janney, Jane Seymour, Paul Reiser. Like it's got this just great supporting cast of people, which I'm guessing if you're Michael Douglas and Alan Arkin, you can probably right. appeal to people come in and do it. And it's just, they're half hour long, so you can you can watch it and you get the Netflix. You, you get the whole thing. Yes, Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. Anna's nodding. Yes, Netflix. And so um so I'm really um and there there was a series that was out with um maybe it still is out with Jane Fonda and um I want to say Ruth Buzzy. Oh no, Ruth, um, uh, Lily, Lily Tomlin. Tomlin, yeah. And like I just didn't get into that. And and the acting's good and everything. Maybe just being a guy, I just maybe kind of like you know, I, I feel like, like I dudes. sort of identify with these couple of guys because they are definitely dudes. Yeah. Which is part of the reason I'm like, I don't know about that one. Like, I'm not sure I'll watch that one. Right. I mean, I will because you recommended it, but it's worth we'll it's worth a look. You might not like it. You might not like it. Well, it yeah, definitely fair. a lot of it comes from a male perspective. But that's one where all the women are a lot smarter than the guys are. Which and I kind of find the, painful. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. But but the women have like sort of more insight into what's going on and sometimes do a little sort of course correction with these guys. So um but they're really like they're ultimately likable guys. There's not somebody in this that you go, Oh, he's just a jerk. That's important. Yeah. Yeah. Are you gonna you have any I've got, I've got so all of these shows you just talked about? The only one I've even heard of was Fleabag, and that's only you because you talked about it all the time. Otherwise, yeah. I would have never heard of any of these shows. And I don't really listen to music unless it's at least ten years old. Oh, jeez. And I've been working on the same. Uh, the only book that I that I started reading this year is uh, Feminism for the Ninety Nine Percent. Books. What are those? I remember back one time. I do. You, do you books. read? Do you read books? I read one book this year. I've been reading the same. One? I know. I know. Book? I've, I've, I've had feminism, the feminism for the 99% book in my queue for like three months, and I think I'm on page five. Oh, God. It hurts so bad. Oh, God. Oh, God. I've read 75 books this year. TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> the, my attention span own, now is 10 narrative seconds. Form. I my support TikTok. I'm not seconds. anti-TikTok. I'm not anti any of that stuff. But... So I'm going to give my three book recommendations. And not for you guys then, because I don't think you guys will read this. Born by Jeff Vandermeer, because he's the new weird genre. That's That guy is brilliant and strange. He wrote Annihilation, so that gives you any clear idea of who that is. Gideon the Ninth by Ta- Tamison Muir, which is uh, lesbian necromancers in space. And I'm sold. <laughs> it's amazing. And then Milkman by Anna Burns. I don't think that came out this year. Does not matter. I love it. It was brilliant. She's an Irish writer talking about a woman in the middle of um, the troubles. And it was so beautifully written. And nothing happens. And nothing happens. It's not a book where things happen. Um, it's like um, it's like a slow movie. But it's a book. 
before. I might like that. That one we was were just stunning. in Northern Ireland, and so it would be fascinating to read something. That's it is beautiful. From the perspective of somebody who was living in, yes. in that. Is she Protestant Catholic? Or? She, you don't know. That's what's interesting. Oh. It's it's kept very general. You realize that's Belfast, but she doesn't say it's like the right religion, the other religion. Oh, right. It's told without names. It's a very it's that's a very avant garde novel. Yeah. We did it for book club, and it was stunning. Like it was one of my one of my again one of my top ten books of all time just beautifully written and nothing nothing happens in it but it's it's really good so so those are my listeners go read those three books one of them two of them science fiction one of them's regular so the the last time the last time I really like read a lot was 2011 when I was in Afghanistan and you can see behind you like all these those are all books I read in 2011 and there's like Steve Barry books, Dean Koontz, Lee Child. And to this day, I could not tell you what any, any one of them was about. Like the, there's, a, there's this genre of fiction that to me is almost as disposable and as empty as McDonald's. Sure. And so it's, it's really hard for me to like want to get back into those books without knowing knowing that I'm going to commit that much time to something that I won't remember in five minutes. I just about 10 years ago, um, through no real, uh, not like not on purpose, but I realized I just stopped reading fiction. And I, I read, I read non-fiction men. books. I find something that I'm interested in, a history of something or whatever. I'm downplaying the amount that I read books, by the way, just a little bit. But I haven't. I didn't read a lot of books this year. Yeah. Um, and but I I try to. I re- actually read a lot. I consume. I'm a pretty avid consumer. But um, yeah. And then if a book, I just picked up a book. The the book that's called the Selfie Generation. Hmm. Um, that looks really interesting. That's about sort of how culture shifts. Are, are happening just by the way we perceive ourselves online. So I'm kind of excited about getting into that. So I have a book next to my bed that I'm ready to get started on. Yeah. I, I, I guess it. I'll keep doing a podcast with yeah. you guys, even though that's not... I do have a yeah. separate, like, literary podcast. Well, we need to have yeah. at least one literary person <laughs> we do. in the room. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed every one of those books I read, but it was... I just can't... They all blended into each other after I mean, a while. that's okay. I don't... Like, I, I'm all for people reading. It doesn't matter what you read. You could read Trash trash and quotes because right. if you're reading it's good like just read it just have fun like it's not meant to be laborious and painful and re- yeah, remember stuff yeah. I mean cut to me a year later I'll have forgotten well probably not these three because they're pretty awesome but like well, I, I, I might know. I might go back and read the lesbian pyromancer in space necromancer necromancer in space <laughs> sorry I didn't mean to confuse my magical genres no don't get that wrong <laughs> so what about podcasts because oh. favorite podcast did you put? Because there's yeah, one that stands out above all others. What the what? What the, what the what? what? And then a close second for me is 99% Invisible, which is a radio Radiotopia podcast, which is um, hosted by Roman, hosted and produced by Roman Mars out of Oakland. And it is just like a fabulous, always fun. It's about design. 99% Invisible is in reference to the idea that good design should be 99% invisible, right? um, But this casts a net over design that is so wide. Um, One of the most recent episodes was about these, um, I think they called them infantoriums, which were before there were, um, uh, what do you call the things to keep babies warm? Incubators. (laughs) Yes, sorry, I had to. I, I, like I orphanages? lost that word for I don't. a minute. Like before any hospitals wanted to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why I don't have kids. Elves, yeah. 
probably the best for the best. Um, before there were any um, uh, any hospitals that had incubators or would really even buy into it. There was this doctor who wasn't really a doctor who really believed that incubators would help certain children live, and they really did. did? And so they put them in fairs. And so people would come and view, like, these babies in incubators at, like, state fairs and places like that. And, um, and so that's the kind of story that 99% Invisible will do. They will find some just bizarre sort of something that was designed to do something and have a conversation about it. It's always fascinating stuff. It sort of, to me, kind of follows in the, um, in the trajectory of, like, This American Life or... Um, so you know, snap judgment or whatever. But I just find the the stories are real well researched. They're really fascinating. They tend to they tend to make a lot of connections between things. So I'm a big fan of ninety nine percent invisible. They're still going, right? They're yeah. still active. Radiotopia, they are running and running. They have. Do they have as many fans as we do, though? I... Probably. Um, <laughs> one more, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe that just out a little yeah. bit. My my favorite podcast of all time is Mission to Ziggs, Z-Y-X-X. Um, it is a comedy improv podcast about space. It's phenomenal. I, like, support them. I'm a Patreon supporter. Like, I, well, they're not Patreon anymore, but, you know, I'm a supporter. I just really believe it's it's hilarious. And I try to drag people into the cult of it, and it just doesn't work very well. Because if you're not a podcast person, like, you're not going to watch it. It's not, I don't think either of you is up your alley, but it's just phenomenally produced. And funny. And not too dark. Discovered. I don't know. Are they like half hour long? Yeah, half hour long and they improvise, but they've definitely mapped out a narrative arc and they've done a lot of world building and they stay within it so it never feels improv Mm -hmm. um, because it's never... um, Hello from the Magic Tavern um, is another famous improv podcast, but they're definitely more loosey-goosey with what sort of happens in the world and Mission of Ziggs is just... On track. What was the podcast that was that weird town um, that all the like strange supernatural stuff was going Welcome on? to Night Vale. Welcome to Night Vale. I used to love Welcome to Night Vale. They're still going. They have a bunch just of other that, stuff. Just the attitude of Welcome to Night Vale yeah. was so funny. Yeah, it's beautiful. All the time. Yeah. Just the, like, the, the crazy things going on in that town. Yeah. So they have a I bunch of like offshoots. That. The Orbiting Human Circus yeah. is a really good one from that. From that. Within the Wires is another one that's very similar. Same mm. production group. Yeah. But also Bad Batch, and I'm looking at Anna. Did you see that one, the Bad Batch series? Oh my gosh, that was that was brilliant. There's this new trend within podcast to report on spend, you know, a limited. It's like a limited series on like horrors that happen in the world, whether they're like murders or um, this one was medical malpractice, kind of like Doctor Death and stuff. Those are so fascinating to me. I love those. Um, too. But also they have an end, unlike Serial, which you know. Was it serial that went back and looked mm-hmm. at the crime stuff? And and then it's unresolved that doesn't know. And some of them do look at unresolved stuff. But, like, Bad Batch is all about um, the um, the cells, you know, baby cells, little cells. Stem little, cells. Stem cells. <laughs> I, li- I listened stem to cells. Bad Batch. Did you? Yes. Did you like it? Yes. Yeah. See? Yeah, it was fascinating. That was a great one. Yeah. From that whole, yeah, yeah. wondering. There, there was a podcast that I also wrote down that was called Moonrise, which was Washington Post uh, podcast, which is basically about starting in maybe the 1930s or so like how we got to the moon and what was really going on with the space race and for anybody who thinks that they know or understand the the history of the space race and how we got to the moon this um this podcast will definitely it's lillian cunningham from the washington post does a podcast 
you learn a lot in this and a lot about what the motivations were and stuff. So it's definitely on my list. It's a series, I believe there were maybe, um, maybe 10 or so episodes of it. But like limited series? Limited series, fascinating. If, if we made it to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> just, just kidding. Yeah. We, yeah. The moon we landing, is, the moon. The moon landing is real. The last episode is about the lizard people. So. <laughs> the grays? Yeah, the grays. I was actually just about to say we, we made it through almost the whole show. Without, and then I, then so I, I guy hasn't coughed <laughs> cough once. It was building, and I <clears throat> excuse me. You've been holding that in for about Whew, forty yeah, minutes. Yeah, that was. It was like, uh huh. I agree with you. I agree with you. Where are we on time, by the way? I think that's a pretty good time. Okay, to start right. I was going to say a cough. That's a new tradition. A cough will end the series. Yeah. So, how do you guys feel about twenty nineteen as an as a um, as a creative? Um, like was it was it a good year? Did it suck? Was it is it hopeful at all for next year? Does it only bode poorly for twenty twenty? What do you think? In terms of media, just in yeah. general, um, I think I think we're gonna look back at twenty nineteen and it is it is going to be a significant turning point, and in, in almost every model of mass media, every business model of mass media, it shifted this year. Um, I think movie theaters are on the decline, and part of the reason why 2019 was so bad was they just threw out everything they had and greenlit everything they had, and there's, I think there's going to be a big contraction in movies, and, and the streaming wars, the streaming wars are, are officially on now that Disney is in, now that Disney is in play. I, I would say, personally, 2019 was a bit rough. I don't feel like it was a banner year for media, but I didn't feel like it was a wasteland either. Like I found little pieces to nibble and I found it fairly satisfying. Um, but um, uh, the trailer for Wonder Woman has been released for, I cannot, I'm so flippin' excited for Wonder Woman 2020, 2020 right? Is when it's coming. Yeah, it's, yeah, coming, it's out, coming out. But it's, out but it's 1984, right? Yeah. Is that, yeah, which is, so, so I see some stuff coming out in, in um, 2020 that I'm very excited about. A lot of films directed by women, um, some superhero films that are finally going to give some women their stories, and I'm super pumped about 2020. Two things that have me hopeful, because I thought it was a pretty sucky year, over, <laughs> overall for, um, for uh, entertainment media, for pop culture and stuff like that. It just didn't feel to me like it was very, it, it was very inspired. And I don't know if it's just... Like right now, people, there's some almost, it seems like people are really fearful right now of sort of stepping out of line with a couple exceptions. And even for movies that I, I didn't like, or maybe um, three exceptions, um, is that people are putting race and women are putting feminist issues at the forefront. So race is moving more to the forefront. Feminist issues are moving to the forefront, so they're infusing it. Whether or not I like these movies, or I think like there's more discussion of that sort of thing, and I'm really excited to see lots of things like Dark Waters and The Report and movies like that. I, I watched a documentary, an Errol Morris document documentary called Worm Wormwood. Um, I, I'm excited to see more and more of that kind of thing, which is going to be. Um, entertainment, but that also is sort of based on um, a sort of uh, in investigation into like just the things you were talking about, like with Bad Batch, 
right, that we can actually take a look at some of these things that have um, have uh, ha affected our lives or have affected politics or whatever. And there, you know, there's a history going all the way back to All the President's Men and even before that, you know, which were some great movies that were really helped us sort of look about how politicians affect how people with money affect what we do. I want to see more and more of that. And I'm hopeful that we will. And I think we will. <coughs> if we survive. We'll just all awkwardly stare at Renee. If you're, if you're watching this on YouTube, which this, this, this will be a, a video feed up on YouTube, you'll see it just staring at Renee. If you're listening to the podcast, you're like, okay, guys, say something, which I just did, so get off our backs. <clears throat> okay. So, just bring us home, Renee. Oh, my can. gosh. So, I almost died in 2019. <laughs> yeah. That's really what happened there. I'm trying to think. It's my CPR certification. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I was sucking on some lozenges, and I had this fear of, like, coughing so hard that I sucked it down my throat, so I, I won't do it at home by myself. Okay, so anyway. Um, so, 2019, year in review, we all found something that was somewhat worthwhile. Black Christmas, apparently, mm -hmm. is the end to the, of it all, apparently. Yes. <laughs> Except for Rise of Skywalker. That oh, will right. be, that will be the, that will I'm be so the, excited the for that. Yes. So excited. That's right. Yeah, we haven't seen it, so we don't. Nope. We can't add that to the list. So, but Star Wars. Movie. But by the time by by the time you guys are listening to this, we will have already seen it, and two of us will have loved it. One of us will have dragged to it against his will. <laughs> I'll enjoy it. It just won't be. I don't. I don't put it on a shelf any higher than any other science fiction movies. I just again podcasts. Why, why am I doing a podcast with someone who doesn't like Star Trek? Because Star we love Wars. each other. We, <laughs> we do agree on everything. That is true. Okay, so we are, I think, we are, I think, done for today. I think that's all we have to I say. think that's all we got. Yeah, I'm that done was with great. 29. Are you guys let's, done with 2019? Let's dust our Take hands with 2019. Out the door. Get out of here. Let's get it out of here. Okay. This is Renee. Jeff. I'm Scott. This is What the What? What? The What? 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 <laughs>